This is the Calm Living Blueprint Podcast, episode number 19. Hey, podcast listener. Even if you are feeling alone in your pursuit of calm and confidence, know that today, right now, in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of others all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. At Calm Living, we believe it's only when we stop struggling against our fearfulness and our anxiety that we begin to find lasting freedom from it, to live the lives we want to live. That is what this podcast is about. Come join the Confidence Revolution. Well, hello. Welcome to episode 19 of the Calm Living Blueprint podcast. I'm your host, Candice Esposito, the founder of the Calm Living Blueprint. So thanks for listening in today. I appreciate your company and I hope this episode finds you doing well. One question for you. How's your sleep? Have you ever found yourself lying in bed, staring at the ceiling and wanting to scream out in frustration because you just can't fall asleep? You peek at your alarm clock out of the corner of your eye and it reads 3 a.m. 3 in the freaking morning and you have to be up at 6 Now you get even more anxious about not falling asleep, thinking, I have to fall asleep. I've got to get those three hours. Yeah, I've been there too. Insomnia can seem hard to cope with, and it can be especially draining when you suffer from anxiety. So in today's episode, we're going to cover the top tips and strategies to help you sleep like a baby, even if you experience anxiety. So keep listening to discover what those are. First, a quick reminder that the show notes for every episode are available on the Calm Living Blueprint website. The show notes include the actual MP3 recording, the transcript of the podcast, any resources mentioned, as well as the home play that I recommend in each episode. The show notes for today's episode can be found at calmlivingblueprint.com forward slash 19. And that's the number 1919 as in episode number 19. Uh, To sleep like a baby again, peacefully, carefree, without the worries that can plague us and keep us up all night. Well, I don't have a magic pill to make you young again. However, I can offer some tips to get a better quality sleep and to fall asleep faster. Insomnia is defined as the inability to fall asleep, remain asleep, or get the amount of sleep an individual needs to wake feeling rested. It may involve waking up frequently during the night, waking up too early in the morning, daytime sleepiness, difficulty concentrating, and irritability. Trouble sleeping can be a symptom of a medical condition or side effect from medications. Now, we're not going to be covering those topics in this episode, so I encourage you to speak with your doctor if you feel that may be the case for you. 
That being said, just because you may have a medical condition doesn't mean that you can't improve your sleep. So I encourage you to still try out the strategies, there's nothing to lose, and sleeping better can only help in the healing process. Most often, insomnia results from a combination of factors, including environmental factors, timing issues, psychological issues, and behavioral factors. And those are the topics that we're going to focus on in this episode. I'm actually going to break all this information down into two parts. That way it'll be a little easier for you to digest and take in and you won't feel too overwhelmed. There's a lot to cover so I thought I'd include the timing, environmental, and behavioral changes in this episode and we'll cover the psychological changes which yes will cover an entire episode themselves next week. Now I've changed my sleeping patterns a few times so I know how like any habit, it can be difficult to change. I suffered from what I would consider a medium case of insomnia back in university. So I know it can be miserable. You walk through the day like a zombie, unable to function properly. You desperately try to sleep, but nothing seems to help. Sleeping pills aren't a good option since they leave you feeling groggy and drugged out. Fortunately, I did discover some tips and strategies that helped me that I now share with my clients to help them sleep. And these are the same tips I'm going to share with you right now to help you get a good night's sleep as well. I know insomnia often feels like it is out of your control. However, I do want to assure you that it is changeable and definitely within your control. Insomnia can both cause anxiety and be caused by anxiety. Not to mention sleep deprivation has been linked to increased rates of depression, obesity, diabetes, cancer, and heart disease. So needless to say, sleep is essential. First, before we get into the strategies and the techniques, I feel like you need to know that being unable to sleep is not your fault. It's the fault of your programming. Your mind is kind of like a computer that way. So when you learn to do something, you store it as a program in your unconscious mind. And that's what a habit is. So being unable to sleep at night is simply the product of some bad habits. When a baby is born, it alternates between sleeping and waking on a very short cycle of a few hours. And one of the first things the baby does is build up longer periods of sleep and longer periods of wakefulness. And babies do this naturally through a built-in mechanism. The mechanism reacts to the light during the day and the darkness at night. Learning to regulate our sleep is one of the first things we do. So we can do it again simply by letting that natural tendency take over again. And as you start to incorporate these techniques into your life, I want you to remember to focus on what is working because sometimes I'll ask my clients, so how is it going? How have things gone? And I'll get the reply, I'm not cured yet. But then when I ask, okay, so how much better are you sleeping? You know, they'll tell me, oh, probably over 80% better. Right? So sometimes as natural problem solvers, we have the tendency to look for what's wrong. Try to notice how things improve so that your mind is focused on your successes. 
All right, so let's jump into the techniques. The first issue that I think is probably the most important to tackle is timing. Timing. I like to think of how our sleep-wake cycle operates as being similar to a swing. So I want you to imagine a homemade swing, you know, a little plank suspended on two ropes from the branch of a tree. And imagine pushing a, a child on that swing. Okay, so you're pushing a child, and with each push you give them, you add to their momentum. And each push carries them higher and higher. The higher they go, the faster the swing goes as they come down again. And that momentum carries them further up the other side, right? But if you stop pushing them, they will gradually lose momentum. And little by little, the swing will get lower and lower, and eventually will come to a stop. Pushing a child on a swing is a gentle process. All we need to do is give the child a little push at the right time, just as they are beginning to swing down again. But think of what happens if you get the timing wrong. If you leave it too late, the child is accelerating away from you, and you almost have to run after them to push at all, and you have hardly any effect. Or if you try to start pushing too soon, you feel the weight of the child against you, and the child comes to a sudden stop. Even the simplest swing can get out of time. And this is all that happened when your sleep cycle was disrupted. The rhythm of the swing has got out of sync. Nothing is broken. Your sleep cycle is like that swing. Your rhythm is disrupted. So we need to get a regular rhythm going again. All right, so the first thing we need to do is add more energy to the cycle. We need to add this momentum in the right place, a bit like pushing the child on the swing at the right time. Okay, in other words, we want to make the urge to go to sleep more powerful. And to do that, we need a few extra pushes. Although you can't directly control when you fall asleep, you can control what time you wake up and what you do while you're awake. This is like catching the swing at the very top of the swinging and pulling it a bit higher so that when it swings back down again, it has more energy and it goes a little faster and a little further. Okay, so we can do this with three pushes. Push number one. Push number one is to get up half an hour earlier than your usual wake-up time. Okay, get up half an hour earlier than your usual wake-up time. Clinical research has shown that this is probably the most effective strategy for curing insomnia. And one reason this is important is because your body gets used to catching up on sleep late in the morning, and therefore it doesn't prepare properly for sleep at the beginning of the night. When you move the waking up time, the rest of the cycle has to move as well. So if you have access to your alarm clock right now, I strongly encourage you to set it a half hour earlier, okay? Next, we need to wait for the swing to reach you rather than trying to grab at it before it has arrived, okay? So we need to wait for the swing to reach you. And that's what we do with push number two, which is to go to bed only when you are sleepy. Go to bed only when you are sleepy. If you aren't sleepy, don't go to bed. You've already been surviving on too little sleep, and you won't get any more by trying to force it. When your body needs it, it will let you know. 
Okay, so this means that when thoughts like, I'd better go to bed now because I need my sleep, when those come up, let those come and go like passing cars, like leaves floating down a stream, okay? Like we've talked about in previous episodes. After you use these first two pushes, night after night, it builds up the pressure to sleep and gets the natural swing going more and more smoothly. Then the last push is kind of like a child kicking their legs as they swing down to add momentum to the swing. Push number three is to not take naps during the day. Okay, so no napping. Just like if you graze on snacks all day long, you're not going to be hungry for dinner. Well, if you sleep during the day, you won't have as big an appetite for sleep at night. Okay, so only go to bed at night and only when you feel sleepy. Now, just as an aside, I'm not saying that naps are bad or that you can never take another nap again. Naps are actually good for our brain health. However, that's not going to be of much benefit if you're not sleeping at night. So you need to reset your sleep cycle first. And part of the way that you do that is by avoiding napping until your body is back into its regular rhythm. Then, once you're able to fall asleep okay, you'll want to keep your bedtimes and wake times the same each day, even on the weekends. And that continues the rhythm and your body comes to expect exactly when you'll wake and exactly when you'll fall asleep. Okay, so that's how to address the timing issue. Next, let's tackle your sleep environment. Okay, so you may have heard some of these suggestions before, and that's okay. I encourage you to consider them again. Even what seem like the smallest or most obvious things can make the biggest impact in your sleep. Our minds are very sensitive to associations. So what we want to do is ensure that All the associations that influence you when you go to bed are ones that encourage sleep. There are a lot of things people do in bed because they can't sleep that just make things worse. Like reading in bed for an hour or more, eating a snack in bed, watching TV in bed. Doing these kinds of things is like teaching yourself to be an insomniac. Your mind begins to associate these things that keep you awake to the place where you're trying to sleep. Okay, so it's essential that you break any associations that are keeping you awake. Okay, so a good rule of thumb is to stick to this rule. There are only two things you ever do in bed. Sleep and make love. Right? Only two things you ever do in bed. Sleep and make love. That's it. That means no TV, no eating, and no reading novels till late into the night. I'd actually recommend getting the TV out of your bedroom if you can. In fact, try to minimize as much as possible the electronics that are in your bedroom to cut down on the electromagnetic radiation. Turn your alarm clock away from your eyes so that you can't see that shining light. If you're awake in bed for more than 20 minutes, get up and do something boring. Okay, so if you're not sleeping, you shouldn't be in bed. Again, we want to break that association. So go back to bed only when you feel sleepy again. Association is a powerful force. Don't give any more power to the old association of poor sleep in your bed. 
And when our brain perceives light, it releases cortisol to wake us up. That's what happens in the morning. When it perceives darkness, more melatonin is released to initiate sleep. Our brains are just hardwired that way. So it's important that you keep your bedroom really dark at night. Invest in a good set of blackout blinds or curtains if you need to. And because of the same reason, don't expose your eyes to bright light for at least a couple hours prior to going to bed. Okay, and that includes light from the TV, the computer, and your cell phone. Another concern is to make sure that your bed is comfortable. Many people keep their mattresses and pillows far too long. They get worn out and eventually they become less comfortable. So think about it this way. If you checked into a really nice hotel for a weekend, would you be happy to sleep in the bed you have at home if it was in that hotel? Okay, it's a much better value to spend the money on your own bed than blow it on an extravagant night at a hotel, even if you have to save up for a while. Okay, you've probably heard of the old saying, never skimp on your better shoes because if you are not in one, you are in the other. Our mattresses make a big difference. Research has shown that most people sleep best when they are comfortably warm in bed and the air in the bedroom is cool. So warm under the covers, cool outside. And lastly, when it comes to the environment, you may wish to consider investing in a good air purifier for your bedroom, as well as hypoallergenic or non-allergenic bed linens and pillowcases. I have had clients tell me that they slept much better at their cottage in Northern Ontario, for example, versus downtown Toronto. So pollution, allergies can trigger sleeping troubles. So it's worth ruling those out as a possibility. All right, so that covers environmental changes. Next, let's look at behavioral changes that can impact your sleep. So first up is exercise. It's scientifically proven that exercise improves sleep. An obvious benefit to exercise is that you physically feel more tired, but there's more to it than that. Researchers have found that while any exercise is good, it's even better to finish exercising at least three hours before you go to bed because your body needs time to metabolize all the hormones that are released while you're exercising. Okay, so go exercise, stop exercising at least three hours prior to going to bed. And when I say exercise, I just mean using your muscles. All movement is exercise, so to speak. So you're already exercising at least a little. It's just that you might not be doing enough. Okay, so you don't necessarily need a formal exercise routine. Just move your body whenever you get the chance. Take the stairs instead of the elevator. Park further away from the office or grocery store. Walk more, play more, dance, get involved in sports, whatever you enjoy, right? How you eat can also determine how well you sleep. Now, I'm not going to go into a big lecture on nutrition, but a simple rule of thumb is to eat fresh, whole foods, right? Eat foods that don't require a label. When you do that, you'll just eat less processed foods. And processed foods contain sugar and other refined chemicals that affect your blood sugar levels 
act like toxins and will have an impact on your sleep. Plus, fresh foods are digested more easily, so you're not going to be kept awake by your stomach at night. The time at which you eat can also have a direct effect on your sleep. Never eat later than three hours before going to bed. Okay, so never exercise, never eat prior or later rather than three hours before going to sleep. Digesting food is an active process and it works better when you are sitting or standing rather than lying down. The energy from food eaten late at night is actually more likely to be turned into fat since the body has no immediate need for the energy since you're about to fall asleep. Now there's certain foods that disrupt the sleep cycle. Caffeine is probably the most well-known sleep disruptor. Caffeine is found in coffee, regular tea, energy drinks, soft drinks, and chocolate. So I definitely recommend not consuming any caffeine after 2 p.m. if you have any sleep issues. I also recommend limiting, limiting your caffeine intake to no more than two cups per day. However, with clients, what I'll do is usually recommend they do a two-week experiment of completely avoiding caffeine to see what effect it has on their sleep patterns. Okay, so because I've noticed some who are particularly sensitive notice that even a small amount in the morning affected their sleep. Okay, so it's worthwhile ruling that out. Alcohol has two negative effects on sleep. First is that it temporarily depresses the central nervous system, which causes sleepiness, but it leads to a rebound effect a few hours later. So you wake up a few hours later after falling asleep. Secondly, alcohol dehydrates the body. Okay, this is why many people can fall asleep, you know, fall into a deep sleep after a few drinks, but then wake up in the middle of the night thirsty and needing to go to the bathroom. Similar to caffeine, the easiest way to determine if alcohol is contributing to your insomnia is to cut it out entirely. Then reintroduce it in moderation after a period of time, usually at least a couple weeks of sleeping well. And once you introduce it back in, then you can see what effect it has. Other drugs, including nicotine, can affect our sleep. Smoking cigarettes may feel relaxing in the moment. However, nicotine is actually physiologically stimulating and opposes the process of falling asleep. So yet another reason to quit. Okay, so I think I'm going to end part one here. Next episode, we'll tackle the psychological aspects that keep us up at night, like how to calm your mind when it feels like you can't shut off your thoughts. Your home play this week is to start with one of the changes that we talked about this episode, Whichever one you feel would make the most impact or perhaps would be the easiest to get started with. Our mind and body want to do what they're used to doing. If you change a little at a time, step by step, and forgive yourself for so-called messing up. And I'm using messing up in quotations here because remember, there's no such thing as failure. So if you do a little at a time, the changes will come and you will experience results. So here's to a better night's sleep. Till next time, I'm Candace Esposito. Keep calm and carry on. <music>